You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire football podcast. Officially, I guess we'll go. Officially, it's week one. Where every single team, mostly every single team, I should say, is in action. Check us out, mwwire.com, Twitter, mwcwire, Facebook, Mountain West Wire. If you want to check out some cool, um, I don't know, mwcwire.com, we've got some cool stuff there, get some good deals. Matt Kennerly joining us. Are you ready for 12 games this weekend over three days? I am absolutely ready to be a degenerate, yes. <laughs> speaking of that look for matt's uh who to bet for post of this oh, coming up in a couple days right friday i believe one one last week hard to complain there you go my chair just fell up to the i sunk my chair here i'm trying to fix it but i guess i'm going to be near the ground today on my chair all right all right here we go so right. new plan this year or at least today i should say not all year we're doing two podcast previews because there's 12 games and there's a lot of games on a friday one thursday we won't neglect san jose state too much so the plan is to do all the Friday games and Thursday and then all the Saturday games in two separate shows. Um, scheduling worked out. These will probably drop about the same time on Friday. It happens. That's what the deal is for. Uh... On, on Thursday, I would hope. Oh, Thursday. Sorry. Today's only one. Geez, see, until my week is going crazy. Sorry. These will both be out sometime Thursday, not Friday. We'll see how we go in the future if there's a lot of Friday games like this. But we may do multiple shows. We've also done, or I've talked with, uh, I have a Utah State fans like this. I talked to uh um, the guys at SpartansWire.com talking Michigan State, Utah State, who, spoiler, he likes Utah State to keep it close. So we'll see how we feel about that later. Talk to guys at KookCenter.com, Washington State, taking on Wyoming. And then also Colorado, Colorado State. So we got more podcasts than ever, I guess. So get subscribed, right? That's lots, what I'm lots of good stuff out there. I endorse it. Because when I was talking with um, Crowley Sullivan from SpartansWire, I'm like, hey, this is easier to talk for 20 minutes and write five articles about the game. So. You know what I mean? And you can do this while you're driving. You can't, you, well, I sh- shouldn't say you can't. You shouldn't read while you drive, right? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't text and drive. It can wait. Yes. That's, that's the thing, right? Even our hot takes on anything can wait, right? Yes. So here's the deal. You see, we're going to start Thursday night. UC Davis, San Jose State. Um, no TV, which is weird. No TV. Not, not even streaming. Nothing. Although, uh, let's give a shout out to our San Jose State guy, Kyle, who did note that you can find the game if you want to listen to the radio stream on the TuneIn app. So if you're interested in hearing the Spartans and you're not in and around San Jose, that's that's your way to go. Yeah, you got TuneIn, you can stream it. We got the link on our preview, how to, not instead of a normal how to watch, how to consume the game, I, I guess what we're calling it. Go there, UC Davis. And also one note, they did lose a, Freshman, now it's big news, but uh, one of the quarterbacks left the university transferring, so there's that. It is, um, what's his name here? I just had it in front of me. Freshman quarterback, Terrell Carter. Terrell Carter. Yeah, Terrell Carter left, left the team. I guess it's a um, former three-star guy, so it's not good. But they got Montel Aaron. He'll do just fine. Uh, what do we know about UC Davis? They're okay in FCS. This is probably the one for sure game, question mark, they'll win, Spartans? I would think so. But at the same time, you know, UC Davis isn't without 
you know, it's talent. You know, maybe they don't have talent across the board to match up with the Spartans. But one guy that Spartans fans are going to want to keep their eyes on is is Keelan Doss. Because, you know, not only was he maybe the best wide receiver in the FCS ranks last year. Do you, do you happen to know what his numbers are? Or can you approximate what his numbers were from last year uh, without I'm, looking it up? No, I remember we discussed this long time ago. And I believe he's NFL caliber as well, possibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, six me... foot three, two pounds. He had 115 catches. I was gonna guess like 199 <laughs> yards and eight touchdowns. Always gonna be absurd and say 135, but that actually been close. Yeah, and he was named the uh, the Big Sky's preseason Player of the Year. So you know he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And even though their depth chart, interestingly enough, you know they have you know the the or listed at quarterback mm-hmm. with Brock Johnson or Jake Meyer or CJ Spencer but i would probably expect to see a lot of Meyer in particular because you know he was you know the guy who was the starter for them last year and you know he's a guy who threw for almost 3700 yards and he had 26 touchdowns so you know, between those two guys and, you know, with the talent that they have coming back around them, you know, Dallaseo Callaway, for instance, is, he's a senior, he's back. Jared Harrell and uh, Logan Montgomery are sophomores, so maybe they're a little bit unproven. But it's a passing game that I don't think that the Spartans can overlook. No, they can't. Also, I'm looking at the various polls, the hero poll, a couple other polls, FCS. Um, mm-hmm. And the hero poll, they're 22nd, um, coming off of five and six years, so should be better than last year and they're getting votes in most of the poll FCS poll. So it's not like it's a terrible, like it's a bad UC Davis team or FCS team. It's not like teams that are, I don't even know a bad FCS team. You know what I mean, it's like, it's not just a bad school, bad team. Incarnate to be pretty Word good. was a bad FCS team last year. We'll talk about them later. Would you say incarnate word? Incarnate word. Yeah. It's, they're not a bad FCS team. So while they are in the big sky, which is really good. Nine other teams are ranked. I believe in most of these polls I'm seeing here. And it's a game where the way San Jose State is have for them expected to win what two three games, they can't take anything for granted. This is kind of year, I don't know, point whatever you want to call for um, with Brett Brennan, like it's year two, but is it really? They will be fine. They'll win this game, but this is when the games were to give some sort of hope, get a, a decent sized victory. Because I like Montel Aaron, quarterback. I like Josh Oliver, tight end. Their running game should be better than it has been. So there are opportunities in this game where they should be fine and win and hope just build on this and hopefully you can get another one down the road, but they should win by a couple of touchdowns, I'm thinking. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Aaron because UC Davis isn't the only team with an or at quarterback. Uh-oh, did I miss something here? And, and interestingly, Josh Love, you know, no, as of no, August No, no, why is that the case? <laughs> well, it's Josh Love or Michael Carrillo or Montel Aaron. No, it's so, Montel Aaron. No, I will... Okay, it's going to be – if this game was on TV, I would tweet the screenshot of Montel Aaron under center of the first play. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Aaron, right? It has to be. He showed to be the best quarterback for this team last year when he was healthy. I mean, Brennan being a little bit cagey, which, you know, I don't blame him for if he's playing his cards close to the vest. But, you know, I mean, if I'm looking for anything out of this offense, you know, I'm looking for them to take care of the football because, like, we've we've talked at length about how – you know, how many giveaways they had last year. But, you know, in the same way that we talked about UC Davis having a pretty solid passing game, they have a pretty solid secondary as too. You know, they have a guy in uh, Isaiah Olave who had seven pass breakups last year, had two and a half tackles for loss. And another guy in Vincent White who had 12 pass breakups. 
So, you know, while they weren't necessarily prolific in you know, creating turnovers, you know, when you create opportunities just simply by defending passes, you know, that is something that could easily go astray if the Spartans aren't careful. You're right. And, but they should win, right? Like, they, sh- they should. Whoever they throw but out I'm there, to be to Davis makes it difficult for them. Do you think that what what odds would you would you put on this of them not winning this game? I think I would probably put it at somewhere around like two thirds to win this game, like sixty seven to thirty three. Did you know we 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 glossed over this quite um, too quickly? Do you know who the head coach is at UC Davis? It's Dan Hawkins. It is good old Dan Hawkins. <laughs> so there's that. So that's a. I guess one final tidbit, but are you, is your official prediction San Jose state victors? I think that Davis will give them a run for their money for a little bit, but I would be very surprised if San Jose state doesn't win this game. Like I, I was looking at Vegas outsiders and they didn't have a line listed, nope. but I did go to Oshark and they did have the three point favorites. That's it. Three. Which, and you know, that kind of sounds about right. I'm expecting it to be maybe a little bit closer than you. But I do think the Spartans will pull away and maybe have a 10-point victory. I'm going to say 31-21. to 21. All right, then. Listen. Yeah. All right, next up, we're going to go in chronological order. Utah State at Michigan State, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 Mountain, 4 Pacific. Matt, do you have Big Ten Network to be able to watch this game on Friday? I think I do, yes. <laughs> you, have a, you, you typically use Hulu, correct? I do. I'm not sure five because when I moved my complex gave us direct TV, but it doesn't make it a uh, typical package. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly if I have that or not. If not, check our site when we post these things. We'll have like some free trials to Fubo or Sling. Go check those out if you want to do it for a week. I did that last week to be able to watch CBS Sports Network. So there you go. But the game itself, um, do you know the current line for this matchup? Are you aware of it? Yes, last I checked, it was uh, Michigan State was a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. How, what do you feel about that? Or how do you feel, I should say? Seems, seems a little high to me. You think so? Yeah, I, I do feel like they're underselling Utah State a little bit, if only because, you know, I think we both expect the offense to be pretty solid. Like, I, I don't think that with all the players that they have coming back on this offense, that they're going, they're going to go out and lay an egg in non-conference play. Like if you think last for back to last year, for instance, to the wake forest game where it took them a long time to get going. I really don't see that happening here. And with even despite all the talent that Michigan state has on both sides of the ball, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they put together a couple drives and kept this game competitive a lot longer than a lot of big 10 fans would expect. It's, possible too because i get i talked with uh crowley or crowley sullivan on our utah state podcast chatting about this game he does stuff for spartanswire.com he mentions a couple reasons for here's why he thinks line's a bit too high as well a a couple reasons why that's the case is that utah state or excuse me michigan state has typically been bad in openers and start slow and so if utah state like i said if we think their offense is better where they actually because you're near to david yost's offense um Jordan Love is the guy, no competition. Rontavian Carver, they're expected to have a good running game. He wouldn't be surprised if Utah State maybe gets out for a little bit of a lead. Also, one note, which I, we missed on our preview podcast, he pulled this out. Have you seen how big the Utah State offensive line is? It's pretty big, right? 
everybody is over 300 pounds. Yeah, so it's not the typical kind of, you know, they're not undersized. They got some big boys back there. It's a big 10 offensive line just about. Yeah, pretty much. So he's, that's his one concern. Like, because here's the thing, Michigan State's defense is, could be one of the top five in the country. Could be mm-hmm. the best, this will be the best defense to see all, or even better than Wyoming and better than Boise State. But he says the line, and if same with me after talking with him about it, if the running game for Utah State gets going, this line will be able to push around Michigan State for a little bit. And if they start slow, like traditionally, because remember last year, they started out 10 overs Wisconsin, but then the wheels fell off and they got crushed. So Yeah, they just couldn't get any offense going. And the offense is going to be better. And so I just think that's where it's going to come down to. If they're going to make any move, it's it's tough. It's hard to say they'll do it against his defense, Michigan State, but they're not going to get pushed around. They have a good quarterback who's played a lot of games. Running game, people like it from Utah State guys to talk to, but it's going to be tough. Like I don't think Utah State will win, but I don't think they're getting a blown out either. So that 23-24 point line is probably too high, and I'm thinking, well, I won't get my prediction now, but I just want to see this offense in a year or two, what it can do against a really good defense. If Tar- or Tavian Carver is that good, Jordan Love, a road start, um, can he run well? Can he pass well? Are they going to throw 45 times a game like they did sometimes last year? That's what I want to see happen to him. If they can have some success against his defense, because they'll make big plays occasionally, it's just probably not going to be enough big plays. So let me ask you this. If you were saying that establishing the run is going to be the key to a win for Utah State, who do you think is going to be more instrumental in that regard? Is it going to be Gerald Bright or Darwin Thompson? Well, depth charts or people. Yes. Lo- yes. Um, Utah State guys love both. Like either guy, there's high praise for both those guys. I maybe the Juco guy. I'm thinking that's a Thompson. He had, mm-hmm. he's small, not smaller, but 200 pounds, but five eight. So kind of like a Emmett Smith type he's, guy. He's a bowling ball. Yeah, bowling ball. Emmett Smith type guy where. Basically, a mini fridge at back at the back there running the ball. I would guess him, but they got to use both. I don't think they're going to stick with one because they're going to get worn out because of how tough this defense is. They're going to have to use both efficiently. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. I think it'll also help if they can get off to fast starts like they did oftentimes last year. You know, it, on the whole, the running game ended up about the middle of the pack. But one thing that stands out to me is that, you know, especially early in the game in the first quarter, that was when they had, that was when they made the most hay. Like, they averaged almost five and a half yards per carry in the first quarter. And so, you know, if those two guys, Brighton Thompson, even if they're not getting the explosive plays, I mean, I think as long as they're getting, you know, three, four, five yards in order to set up this passing game, you know, obviously they're going to rely a lot on tempo. But I think I would not be surprised if they we see them run the ball more on early downs to kind of set up the pass than we might expect them to, because I think they want to be able to kind of open up the passing game that way. I think, yeah, that's what they're going to want to do. And, and here's the thing, too. Michigan State will not see an offense like this all year. When you play the Big Ten, Wisconsin, they got Jonathan Taylor. They're going to run the ball. Arizona State, they'll pass a little bit, what Herm Edwards, I guess, wants to do. Indi- I, well, Indiana, sorry. There's a couple teams. Like, Indiana maybe does that. They want to be that wide-open attack. But Northwestern, no. Penn State, no. Michigan, not really. Purdue a tiny bit with Jeff Brommers out there. They're coaching. But it's Ohio State doesn't do it. Nebraska, true freshman quarterback. It's going to be one of the offenses they don't see too often. Not that it's overly different like the option, but it's not often they'll see three to five wide receiver sets on a consistent basis. 
Yeah, and let's not forget, too, that you know Jordan Love, when he took over the quarterback role, he was a pretty decent runner, too. Um, you know, if he adjusts for sack yardage, he was averaging right around five and a half yards per carry himself. And, you know, that's not nothing. And I think maybe the biggest key, more than anything, you know, is, as long as he can avoid the pass rush, which he, by and large, did last year. His sack rate was right around 3%. But one thing I think he's definitely going to have to avoid is putting the ball on the ground because, yeah. you know, for all the production that he had on the ground, he did fumble three times as well, and he only had 39 rushes. You know, if especially in an environment like this, you know, with with odds that the Aggies are likely to face, you know, those kinds of big plays that go against you are going to be killer. So as long as they can avoid turnovers like that, they're going to have a chance. Oh, true. Yeah, it's any turnovers against this good team or any good team, it's a death sense essentially and also one thing too you need extended drives whether you score points or not this team cannot put their offense in a bad spot where they go three and out multiple times with how they want to play they're kind of quicker a little bit you can't have a a two-minute break for your defense like three straight possessions then then you'll just get you can't handle and just get run over the depth isn't there for utah state so that's one thing too Yes, scoring points is key, but if they can have long drives to give them a chance, it may change the field position or something like that. But you've seen teams where who go super fast and their defense get gassed and it's 40 to 40 to 50. You know what I mean? 40 plus points, 50 plus points. That's something mm-hmm. you can't do. But it's going to defense. Um, excuse me. Yeah, flip it around. Michigan State's offense, Utah State defense. Michigan State brings back like uh, Brian Lewerke. He's really good quarterback. Similar sack rate, 3% sack rate. What, 20 touchdowns last year, only seven picks. They bring back their starting running back. They bring back all their wide receivers. They bring their attack. Like, their offense brings everybody back. They have three Big Ten guys back on the roster who started last year on the offensive line. This is why it's, it'll be tough. This offense, the weird, interesting thing is, really quick, it was middle of the pack last year overall, but they, internationally, so they're just okay. But they bring literally everybody back. It's going to be really fascinating to see how this Utah State secondary holds up against Michigan State's passing game. Because, you know, like you said, the Spartans' passing game was maybe good but not great last year. But one thing that stands out to me is, you know, how, you know, on the one hand, how are they going to perform without Jalen Davis, obviously? He was, mm-hmm. you know, the very notable guy. But, you know, they have two new guys who cracked the starting lineup in DJ Williams and Shaq Bond, you know. Utah State fans are very high on those two as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you look at those three guys that Michigan State has a receiver, Felton Davis third, Daryl Stewart Jr., and Cody White. All three of those guys are at least 6'2". You know, all th- you know, two of those guys were averaging 14 yards per target. That's going to be a big challenge for Williams and Jamarcus Ingram. And, you know, I think one of the big keys to this game is just going to be avoiding allowing big plays, which they were pretty good against doing that last year. But, you know, if they want to have a chance, they're going to want to keep the ball in front of them in this game. Because if they can do that, you know, you know that'll be a huge point in kind of trying to win the field position battle. And if, if they can win the field position battle, then that makes life easier for their offense, obviously. The defense is better. It's not Gary Anderson level, but it has, is getting better. So there's not like Bobby Wagner's not coming through. NFL linebackers, vigil guys aren't hanging out. Tra- um, who's the guy who got in the car accident who missed a year? Um, 
sorry if I don't recall the name, but the, the good players they've had, like NFL, like Mo, um, was it Maurice Mo Williams with the Rams, I believe the DB, those guys aren't coming back. They A lot of guys, it's better, but it's not what it was. So well, that's what I'm saying. They have they have talent back mm-hmm. there, but yeah. that talent is going to be pressed against a trio of pretty good receivers. That's right. Thing and, is, and so I think whoever wins that particular matchup, like if if Utah State can slow down that Michigan State passing game, then things are going to get very interesting. That's why I, th- I don't think they can. That's a problem. I think if it's a lot of points, they may have a chance because offense can has capabilities to score points. I still think they will, and. I guess it's prediction time here because we don't need to spend ten minutes in every game, fifteen minutes. But the over under, what's that set at? I don't. I only have the line here. Over under is what uh, fifty points. I do not. Yeah, have yeah, that yeah. In fifty front and of me. a half money, whatever money line is. I don't care. The over at ESPN, the Pick Center, they have team rankings thirty-seven to thirteen, thirty-six to sixteen. Number fire. I think it'll be closer than than that. I think it'll be like a comfortable win for Utah State, but it will be a game where. Each team will be – it'll be close enough where Utah, Utah State fans like, okay, we're still in this. We can do this. Whereas Michigan State is like, crap, we're only up 10, we're only up 13, but they may win like 30 to 16 where it's mm-hmm. a comfortable win, but it's not out of hand either way. I think it'll be something like that. So are you saying overall that you would take you would take Utah State in the points? Of course, yes. It's too many points. Okay. I would, yes, I would do that. Are you in that same category? I am. Yes, I think it's going to be fairly close. I mean, I feel like you know Utah State's going to put more of a scare into the Spartans than anybody expects. I do expect Michigan State to win this game, but it's definitely not going to be easy. I'm going to say it's probably like 34 to 24 when all is said and done. Ooh, even closer than me. All right. All right then. Um... Next game is it? Uh, my um, my tab game is out of control. I have like twenty tabs here. I have all these. YouTube that would be uh, Portland State at Nevada. Okay, here we go. This is a um, Mountainless Network game, right? I believe so. We should, I'm we trying think, to. I have yes, a lot of tabs it's, open um, as well. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, Mountainless Network game. Sorry, we will have all the how to watch posts later. So check our website mwr.com for those because we need to. You need to know when to watch it. Our mini previews on top of our regular previews. So. Portland State at Nevada. It's um, six Pacific, uh, nine Eastern for those folks. Here, is there a line on Odd Shark, Matt? Because there's not a line on um, Vegas Insider. Looks like uh, there is not. Okay, that's fine. Um, here's the thing. What I want to see from that Nevada. This will be a quick preview for this game. I want to see if Ty Ganges and the offensive QB there, the running back receivers are doing good things. I want to see this offense click like it did end of last year. But more importantly, I want to see a defense shut this team down as best they can. I mean, I think you're probably right about that, especially since Portland State is starting a lot of young guys on offense. You know, they gave the nod to a sophomore quarterback, Davis Alexander, who apparently started a few games last year and, you know, wasn't too bad. You know, in his three starts, he actually averaged almost 400 yards per game. Uh, You know, five touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, I think I'm with you. I want to see a strong performance from the Nevada secondary. And I think it's going to help, for instance, that they get a Sony Rufus back because I think they missed him a lot last year because with him and Damian Baber and Nepi Sewell, you know, at the safety position, I think those guys are going to be in pretty good hands. I think they're going to be able to win the turnover battle because of that. But, you know, obviously Alexander is not the only young guy they have 
you know, they have, uh, you know, two underclassmen on their offensive line. They've got, I'm trying to figure out, they've got like two or three freshmen in the two deep wide receiver. Actually, they're actually, let me rephrase <laughs> that. All three of their guys at wide receiver are either freshmen or sophomores, as well as basically all six of the people at the top of the two deep. Interesting. But so I, so I think you're right. I think, you know, shut down this passing game. Nevada's going to win this game pretty easily. It's Portland State. They've had decent teams in the past. They have. And so, but I'm looking really quick, so I'm trying to find the one ranking set that has them, uh, that goes FCS. They actually mm-hmm. have them at, um, this is combined FCS, FBS, 187 overall. So, and there's what, that's probably 60, 70 FCS range. So they're probably middle of the pack. Yeah. So they're they're just okay, but, well, Nevada's not great, and they are my sleeper team to do some good things if things fall the right way. I want to see them score a lot of points and give up a few points. I know it's simple, but I don't really care if they – well, I do care. If, I'd be concerned if it's a low-scoring game they give up a lot of yards. Like, if they win 17-3, to three, great defense gives up three points, but 17 is unacceptable. I really don't think that's going to happen. I, I think I think what's more likely to happen is that Nevada is going to be able to create big plays because the, because the defense also has some young guys that I think the Wolfpack could pick on. Especially in their in the in the Vikings secondary, you know Jared Reed, for instance, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's starting at their Sam position, which I think is like a strong safety, high you know linebacker type position. And they have Anthony Adams, another redshirt freshman, starting at one of the cornerback positions. So I mean, if I'm a big guy like you know Brendan O'Leary Orange, my eyes are probably lighting up at that particular matchup. Okay, so there's no line, so let's just go victory, right? That's it. Yeah, I think Nevada's going to win pretty comfortably. I, I would hope so too. So, all right. So next game is—is is this the biggest game of the week? It definitely is. This is the game I'm most excited for: San Diego State at Stanford, number thirteen ranked Stanford. It's on Fox Sports. Oh, excuse me, FS1. I po- apologies, not Fox Sports One. FS1. I should say that's the official uh, name there. So here's the thing: what we know about Stanford, Bryce Love clearly there. David Shaw, great coach. San Diego, or excuse me, Stanford's projected to fight for Washington for the Pac-12 North title. I guess Oregon, too, because they're probably ranked a little bit, but I don't see it happening with the new head coach there. But Aztecs want this game so bad, and they can do it, I think. It's a 14-off line, which is way too much. Way too much. And also, if you're in the area, $9 tickets. So get in prices cheap, man. Go see this game Friday night. Take a date or something. Go hang out with the your lady or male friend at the game, your companion. Did you know that Stanford has six starters out from this game? Oh, it's six starters? I thought six players. No, just six. Well, I thought it was six starters unless I re- – Well, they mentioned in I'll the San Francisco Chronicle earlier this week that they had six key Stanford players. I will, but, you I'll know, look it inc- up while you keep going, so. Yeah, but that includes, I think, you know, they're, now they're having to start a redshirt freshman at center, for instance. You know, they're, they're still uh, trying to figure out who's going to start at left guard. They're still trying to figure out, you know, I think one of the starting wide receiver positions. I don't have all the names in front of me. But, you know, this is not a Stanford team that's coming into this game at 100%. And I think that that presents an opportunity for the Aztecs to pull another stunner. I do. And here's the thing, too. Like, there's Jawan Washington and he's like, okay, who's who is this guy? Who is he going to be? What's going on? But we've seen him for the past two years as a third string and a backup. 
-hmm. He has a ton of potential, huge um, yards per play average. And also the biggest thing, Aztecs bring back the entire offensive line, the entirety of them, and a senior quarterback in Christian Chapman who, while he may not be able to win you a game going, say, 20 of 35 for 350 and two scores, he has game-winning drive experience against Wyoming, against the Stanford team last year. When they're in a pinch and they need a big drive, he's able to move them down the field and pass it in the air a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. Even though Stanford's defense should be good, I know Stanford, David Shaw is not going to overlook this team at all because Aztecs are getting votes, probably should be ranked as we both believe, but they need to be ready. This will be a game like one of the better games this weekend that people, I don't think it'll get lost on Friday night, but it is a Friday night game, so how many people are going to pay attention? But the one thing Aztecs need to do is get Washington in the groove early, let him go, but they need to find receivers too. We know Michael Holder's gone, David Wells is gone, a couple guys are gone from this team who have experience at catching the ball. That's true. So what do you so what do you think here? What do we what do we got going on? Is it a win? Are we um, more preview? What else have we got about this game? I'm still looking at those players because sfgate.com is not very um, friendly tonight. It looks like. Well, okay. So I should I should clarify what I was ta- saying earlier. It is six players, but it does include two starters, including their center Jesse Burkett, okay, and one of their cornerbacks Elijah Holder. Okay. And so, you know, those aren't insignificant losses. I think what this game is ultimately going to come down to is something a little bit different from last year's matchup because I think it's going to be really critical for the Aztecs to shut down the Stanford passing game. Because I think when you look back at how the Cardinal did last year, one of the big things you notice is that, you know, once he sees the starting role, K.J. Costello just had a better year than Keller Christ. And there's a reason that Christ isn't there in, in Palo Alto anymore. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, a pair of receivers in, uh, you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Trenton Irwin. You know, both of those guys are pretty steady contributors. And so I think, you know, even though they were able to win that battle last year, I think, you know, if, if Ron Smith and – sorry, I'm trying to scroll down on the depth chart and see who's starting at the other quarterback position – uh, Kyrie Woods yes. is the guy who's listed at the other quarterback. Those two guys are going to be huge in how this game plays out because if they can shut down the outside passing game and if they can really force Stanford, I think, into an over-reliance on Bryce Love, I think it pro- probably goes without saying that Love is going to get his a little bit at mm-hmm. least. But, you know, let's not underestimate this front six that the Aztecs have. I think the linebackers are going to be able to contain him more often than not. I think so as well. One thing um, I want to I want to see, like, going back and forth, this will be, like last year, not a ton of points. Neither team is really capable, I think, of scoring a lot of points, which is just what they do. They don't want to. They don't hold the ball. I guess Aztecs can occasionally in Stanford when they, I guess, sometimes. But it's going to be a possession game where look for double-digit drives, like 10-play drives, 12-play drives, taking eight minutes off the clock possibly. Unless Bryce Love busts up a 50-yard run, then it's a, well, it's a touchdown in 25 seconds or so in two plays. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, I don't want to say boring because it's not going to be boring one bit. It's not going to be a game where it's throwing down the field, Oregon, Washington State, one of those type of games. It's going to be one where whoever, it's, it's cheesy, whoever runs the ball better, it can get a stop here and there. And I don't know, I, is that, whose defense is better? Is it Aztecs or Cardinal? What do you think? 
I mean, I think it's pretty clear that both of them have their playmakers, but I mean, I would say that San Diego State has more playmakers coming back. You know, they have more starters. That I think they're a more cohesive unit. So why is it a two-touchdown favorite for San Diego, for, excuse me, for um, Stanford? Because, I mean, I think it comes down to the differences on offense. I think that maybe a lot of people are optimistic about Stanford's chances to keep the defense off balance because, you know, we've talked at length about Christian Chapman you know, if he's down seven, ten points, how is he going to respond? Because against some of the top teams that they played last year, just as we talked about in the Aztecs preview, he left a lot to be desired. And if they end up in the same situation again, you know, we've seen it unfold both ways, where when the chips are down, he can answer with a big drive. And, you know, sometimes when the chips are down, he just kind of falls apart. So which Christian Chapman is going to show up if that comes into play? And I think that maybe that's the kind of hypothetical situation that betters are kind of seeing unfold. So what's your prediction? I mean, I don't really see any reason to change from my preseason prediction. I did have San Diego State winning this game outright. I think it's going to be a fist fight. <laughs> it's exactly. It's a good description. I'm going to go. I did, I'm just going to roll. I think San Diego State can do it. It's going to be like, I guess I'll give a score prediction. I'll go like 21-17. You know, it's funny you say that because I was going to say the same thing, actually. Over-under, folks, if you're wondering, is 49, which is probably a tad high, I think. Take the under and take Aztecs to cover at minimum. All right. So you're going to give a score or are you just going to copy copy? Uh, well, me? no, you took my score, 21-17. I, wait, I took your score. I said it first, so you took my score. <laughs> well, what great minds think alike. Let's put it Perfect. There we go. All right, next one. Last one, we will wrap this up shortly before we get to the rest of the games on our next next episode. Colorado, Colorado State in Denver, Sports Authority Field, uh, 7.30 local time, 6.30 Pacific on CBS Sports Network. Again, I chatted with uh, Mike Singer over at, um, C- um, he does Rivals stuff at, for Colorado, so what is it, colorado.rivals.com. I think it's CU Sports Nation. We chatted about this game a bit, and we both of us agreed, and you'll probably agree with us, me as well, and Mike, that... There will be more po- more than twenty points scored in this game compared to last year. I mean, you made it, you might have thought about last year, but I think the Rams just got called for another offensive pass interference. Oh, penalty. Michael Gallup wants those touchdowns back. Over under, I mean, real quick, sixty five points. Really, <laughs> sixty five points. Okay, here. Okay, so here's the question I have about that, and and maybe and I think that this relates to. The, the spread for this game because right now Colorado is a six point favorite against the Rams and I don't understand that line at all. Um, do we have an off season line for this game? Because it opened six and a half down to six. I'm wondering if there was a like South Book does a lot of these. I wonder or South Point, excuse me. I wonder if there do you know if there's an off season line on this? Well on uh on Odd Shark it seems like most of the opening lines have uh either start they started around seven and a half or eight and have Fall on to six. Do you? Hmm. So you're. I, see, I think you're. you I by your tone, you're su- surprised by that, right? I am. Should Colorado State be favored? I. I mean, if even if they aren't favored, I would think that they would be. You know, if it's if we're talking neutral field, I would think it's probably within three points or so. I think so as well. I think. Well, we know why the over unders like that. Two reasons: the Rams' offense looked really good once they got going. And the defense mm-hmm. is not very good, and a lot of points will be given up. But Colorado, here's the thing. Yeah, they got Steven Montes back there at quarterback as well. But 
is this the 2016 team or the 2017 team? Because 2016 was really good. 2017 was not very good. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the question because they're replacing a lot of production elsewhere on the on the offense. You know, Bryce Bobo is gone. They have a a pair of uh, I think they have a pair of sophomores in the starting rotation now. You know, Katie Nixon and uh, Lavisca Chenault. Um, both of those guys are probably going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah. And you know, they're having to replace Philip Lindsay too. Yeah. Kyle Evans, I think huge. he's probably going to end up playing a huge role in this game. Because if he can, you know, take advantage of the Rams front four, the Rams front seven in the same way that, you know, Cole McDonald and the the pair of Hawaii running backs were able to last last Saturday, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing where, you know, the whole thing feels very familiar to Rams fans. Like if they can't get their offense on the field, you know, for as explosive as they were last week, it may not matter if they don't have enough opportunities. Sure. One other back they mentioned was uh, Trey, Trey McMillan. Virginia Tech transfer. They like him a lot to play quite a bit. Well, him and um, Kyle Evans, who you mentioned, are probably the two lead guys. Mm-hmm. Um, also, thinking about, um, yeah, Monte- Montez is back there, but here's a couple of things. He, um, not very good. His sack rate is terrible at 8%. Got sacked 33 times for minus 228. They lose four of their top five wide receivers last year. And so they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of guys who played. And that's kind of where I was chatting with Mike about covers Buff much more closely. They have depth that could step up and play well, but he is concerned about how many players they lost who were productive last year. And then mm-hmm. the offensive line, it's they lost three of their five starters. They have some decent size behind that, but nobody's played or had that many career starts. Like they have outside of like Tim Lynette will be really good. Starting center has 24 career starts. They do have also like Aaron Hag- Hagler there. Outside of that, the guys have a couple starts here and there. And mm-hmm. so this will be a, a boon for the Rams defense to go up against one that's not as experienced. Plus, again, it's a double-edged sword. They've played a game. The defense knows a bit more. But then also Colorado can look at his offense more and know something about K.J. Carter-Samuels as a quarterback who's finally seen significant FBS time. Here's one of the big keys for this game, which you alluded to a minute ago. The Rams absolutely have to get to Montez. They have to put pressure on him because one of the things, you know, a lot of things went against the Rams. You know, some some were more obvious than others last year. But one of the things that I think a lot of Rams fans overlooked is on passing downs, Montez was 12 of 13. And even though he threw an interception, you know, he was complete, he was completing way more passes on, mm-hmm. on passing downs than I think he ever should have. And that's one of those things where when you look back at how the game unfolded, that's kind of one of those things that flew under the radar where, you know, if they can stop one or two more drives, even if the offense sputters kind of like they did early on in last week's game against Hawaii, they're going to give themselves a chance. And that absolutely means that, you know, not only are they going to have to create pressure up front, you know, to me, that means Emmanuel Jones and Richard King have to step up. It also means that the guys in coverage, VJ Banks and Rashad Ajayi, like I mentioned last week, they're going to have to step up too. So the way the game it could shake out is, let me give you a, a fun question here. KJ Carter-Samuels, over under 375 passing yards. <laughs> I mean, I think that the, I, I tend to be conservative, so I would say under, just because that's a, that's a really high number. That is, that's a very, very high number. Here's one thing. One thing in offense, they should. I believe if I'm correct. Marvin Kinsey and Richard Body are back for this game because they were suspended for the opener. 
I believe you are correct. Yeah. So I I should probably check the depth chart, but if those guys are back, that'll help the offense. Look at what Preston Williams will do. He's looking to be a first-team All-Mountain West guy. I know it's one game, so don't whatever yell at us for saying it's one game. We get it, but when you have your opener 180, it's like it's pretty good. Um, really quick, um, I don't think the Rams updated the depth chart because they still have the same one as last week. So <laughs> it's probably they're probably gonna pull Utah State and never update it all year. So if those two, those two guys should be back, like I know last year's anomaly in Colorado. It's just if they're like 2016 Colorado. Rams probably won't win, but I'm thinking with with the way CU has in their offense, losing so many players they have, and it's their first game. I think the Rams will, can win this game. I don't. And, and here's the thing too: the offense, yeah, it was playing Hawaii. They put up a ton of points, yards, everything did well, pretty well for for them against Hawaii. This defense will be tougher, but I still think they'll be able to get plays, and they should win this. Like I'll go thirty to twenty three for Colorado State. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, one of the other things that maybe we should mention, which could come into play again, you know, you mentioned the fact that they, you know, we both we joke about the offensive pass interference penalties. Yeah. But, I mean, they got penalized for 120 yards last week. Yeah. And let's not forget, they had 120 yards in penalties in this game last year, too. <laughs> so it wasn't all about the offensive pass interference. No. They're going to have to be disciplined, too, to be able to keep themselves in situations where, you know, KJ Carter Samuels isn't always up against it, having to make a play on like you know third and ten, third and twelve, or something like that. Yeah, you need to get the uh, shorter, third and manageable, like they like to say. So, but you're right; it wasn't. Those were just the key plays that stand out. It's not one or two plays that make the game a difference in the game, win or lose. But they're the ones that stand out. But yeah, hundred plus penalties, you cannot have that. Cut that in half, minimum. So I mean, I I think this is a game where a lot of last year's wrongs get corrected. You think so? I think so. I think that the Rams should win this one pretty comfortably. Okay, so do you have a score prediction for us or not? Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, let's say 34-17. Okay. Oh, so that's okay. That's that's a big that's a big difference there. It's a 17. I point. think it's going to be a pretty big win. All right, then. So Rams will be one and one. And all right, so one final game before we uh, come back to um, part two of this. Uh, what do we call this extravagant? No, that is the last game. Sorry, I apologize. That was it. No, I'm dumb. I am tired tonight. That's no, all right. We are good. I forgive, so I forgive you. <laughs> thank you. I've been. I don't need to get into it, folks. I've just been new schedule projects. Yeah, it's sort of late for me tonight, but that's our part one preview. So here's what you need to do, folks. Listen to this very hard as with your ears as much as you can. Go listen to. I have a Michigan State Utah State preview out there. Colorado Colorado State game preview. So if you want more from people who cover the teams more closely, do that. Washington State, uh, Wyoming game. We're going to talk about that game. The part two of this podcast. So here's what I have coming up the rest of the for the next show. Um, Stony Brook at Air Force, Washington State at Wyoming, UNLV at USC, yikes, uh, Boise State at Troy, Incarnate Word, yay, New Mexico, Idaho, Fresno, Navy at Hawaii. Really quick, what's the game you're looking most forward to out of that bunch? Out of that bunch, I think the best matchup is probably Boise State and Troy. I didn't say best matchup. I said one you're most looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to the most Washington State at Wyoming. But let's let's be honest. I'm looking forward to all of them. Well, exactly. Of course. So thank you for listening to this part of the show. Check us out, mwr.com. Subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, wherever you can buy free podcasts. We are there. And, yeah, look at our previews. Check out all of our um, content we have going up. A lot of Aztec stuff. Because why not? We have a lot of Aztec writers. We have a lot of Boise writers. And hey, really quick, we'll put this out there now, Matt. If you want to 
curious about Hawaii football, like to help out our guy, um, don't worry about uh, worry about on Twitter. Give us a message. If you want to assist in Air Force or New Mexico, UNLV, give us a ring on Twitter, uh, MWC Wire, or email mountainwestfootball at gmail.com. Why not? If you want to do it, it's fun. You can blather with us offline and, you know what I mean, do, do what you do, right? Exactly. All right, so we'll see you next time, and it'll be um, probably, who knows when you'll see it, but thanks for listening, and we'll see you at mwr.com.